North Pole Hotline, Mrs. Claus here. My holiday shopping list is so big, I can't wait for Black Friday. Get to Old Navy's biggest sale of the year starting tomorrow. Old Navy? Beat the crowds for 50% off your entire purchase. 50% off? Plus, this Friday only, Old Navy's famous cozy socks are just a buck in stores. Old Navy's getting $1 for every pair sold up to a million dollars to boys and girls clubs. So I can do good, look good, and get 50% off your entire purchase at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Valid 1121 to 1123. Exclusions apply. See store for details. Cozy socks valid 1123 in stores only. Limit 10. Blog Talk Radio. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Dr. Low Radio. This is Evelyn Lambrecht from HealthCoachSanDiego.com, HealthCoachSD on Facebook. Hope you guys are all having a great night. Tonight, we have Dr. Laura Noel back on her own show. We're going to be talking about thyroid health, so very excited to host again. Uh, let's uh, review Lauren's bio first. Dr. Laura Noel is the regular host of Dr. Low Radio. She's a naturopathic doctor practicing in Encinitas, California. She works with patients locally as well as all over the country. She treats a variety of conditions, but she loves working with patients with thyroid issues, digestive problems, and autoimmune diseases. Um, you can learn more about Lauren at drlaurennoel.com and bloomnaturalhealth.com. So, Lauren, welcome to the show. Thank you, Evelyn. How are you doing? Excellent. How are you? I'm doing pretty good. Can you hear me okay? Yes, I can. Okay, good. All right. So tonight we're talking about one of your favorite topics. Um, So let's just start with what is a thyroid? What does it do? Well, before I get into that, I just want to give just a little bit of perspective of why this is so interesting to me and why I love thyroid so much because I had my own history of thyroid issues back in the day. I I really sympathize with patients who have thyroid problems because I had my own thyroid problems. Um, When I was in high school, I was uh, very, very hypothyroid and was never diagnosed. Went to so many doctors. I had depression. I had acne. I was 30 pounds heavier. I was cold all the time. I remember I would you know, I would just beg my parents, please turn on the the heat. And they're like, you're crazy. It's not cold in here. And I was so cold. I was so depressed. I was constipated. It's just, I was miserable in high school. And I, I have a good attitude, so I tried to make the best of it and enjoy my life. But, you know, I was just raging hypothyroid. And I went to so many different doctors, and they just would test my TSH, which we'll get into later what that what that means. And they said, oh, you're you're fine. It's a little bit off, but, you know, no big deal. And they just just kind of sent me on my way and didn't really know what the problem was. And it wasn't until years and years later, I think I was even in college by the time I finally got the right you know, diagnosis. And um, a doctor, I don't even know if it was my, my main doctor, I think it was even like a dermatologist or something, because I had you know pretty bad acne at the time. And um, they just happened to find it on routine blood work and say, oh, you have you know pretty overt hypothyroidism. And I was finally put on medication for it. At the time, it was Synthroid, which is the typical medication that medical doctors put patients on for hypothyroidism. And effortlessly, weight fell off of me. I was happier. I looked less puffy. My hair stopped falling out. And it just, it was amazing just how one simple treatment made such a huge difference and how so much time passed between, you know, me feeling awful and actually getting help. Um, so, you know, that that really gave me a lot of um, motivation. And once I learned mm-hmm. about naturopathic medicine, I I was able to see just how, 
you know, people don't have to go through this experience. They can see a doctor who does the the full picture of testing and who treats from a holistic perspective. And of course, at the time, maybe I could have seen a doctor who looked more into, okay, what's what was the, the right diet for me, or what was what were other things that were leading up to the thyroid problem. Of course, they they didn't look at the the root cause. They just treated me with the hormone. But, um, you know, I so that's that's what got me passionate about it. it. I probably didn't have to go through all of that had I seen a naturopathic doctor. But without that experience, I wouldn't have such, you know, sympathy for my patients. So that's that's what got me into yeah, it. Absolutely. And, um, yeah, and there's so much from a naturopathic perspective that we can do, and we'll get into later. But so I just want to give a little bit of framework why I'm so interested in this, why I'm so passionate about it. It's one of my very favorite things to see with patients. And um, so, anyways, that's why I love it so much. But the thyroid is a butterfly-shaped gland. It's right in your the front of your neck, so it's kind of wraps around or right below your Adam's apple if you had an Adam's apple. And um, if you kind of reach in front of your neck right now and feel the front of your neck, you probably shouldn't really feel it unless your thyroid is enlarged, in which case you would notice kind of a big spongy, um, you know, mass on your front of your neck. But you really shouldn't really feel it unless it's enlarged. And it's really, really small. It's a small gland in your body, but it has a huge role in balancing so many different body systems whether it's cardiovascular system, so your your heart and your lungs and your hormones, it, it helps to regulate estrogen and progesterone and your menstrual cycles, and even like immune function, so really helping to give you a strong immune system, your metabolism, you know, making sure that you have a, a fast metabolism so you can, you can burn off fat and you're not storing excess weight, um, and even skin health, you know, keeping your skin really nice and moisturized and healthy and clear, and fertility. Fertility is a real big one with the ladies, too, you know, that when the thyroid is affected, fertility can, can be affected. So the thyroid controls a lot, and when it's not working properly, a lot of problems can happen. Mm-hmm. So what are some of the things that can go wrong, and why does that happen? Well, you know, there's a lot of theories around it. I mean, there's thyroid problems are getting to be so much more prevalent now, and I have a lot of thoughts about it, but I really believe that the root cause of all diseases, of course I say it starts in the gut, but what's the root cause of that? And I I think that stress is such a huge essential role with all these different diseases that are coming around, you know, and and certainly thyroid increasing as much as it is now, and our world is increasingly stressful. So that's part of it. And also, it's super toxic now. You know, we've done done shows on, on the show before on how toxic our environment is, and just the need to doing the, the need to do a regular detox. I recommend once a year, but at least every six months if you can, because our 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 thyroid is like a sponge. You know, it sucks in these toxins. It holds on to them. We know we'll get into it later just which toxins can do that. But I think the more toxic our environment gets, the more thyroid problems are going to happen. Mm-hmm. So, um, what are symptoms of an underactive thyroid? Well, well, all the things that I talked about that I had in high school, those can all come along with it, but it's different for everybody. So, you know, for me, I had the weight gain, I had constipation, I was depressed, I had hair loss, I had dry skin. It was weird because I had dry skin, but I also broke out, which was very frustrating at the time. Um, Mm -hmm. But, you know, and, and mental sluggishness, just feeling like you're just really out of it, you're just in a fog, just kind of... Like, what's happening? I don't know. Like, you know, people will say something, you have to think for a while to process what they're saying, just feeling a little bit out of it. Um, and menstrual problems. So 
the periods mm-hmm. can either be too frequent, too frequent, or they can actually be not frequent enough. So there's some hormonal, you know, imbalances where it can go either way. Um, cold hands and cold feet, that's one that's pretty common. And usually that's one of the first ones to show up for people when their thyroid starts to get sluggish. They'll notice. And, and, and everything we're talking about with thyroid right now, it's all pertaining to hypothyroid, just for the listeners, that there's hyperthyroid, which is overactive thyroid hormone. You have too much thyroid. And then there's hypo, which is underactive thyroid. Hypo is significantly more common than the hyper. So that's what I'm focusing on tonight. Um, but, you know, maybe that'll be another show for the other type of thyroid dysfunction. Um, mm-hmm. Besides that, and one thing that's really I'll... interesting that I – oh, sorry, sorry. Um, no, no, one thing ahead. that I saw that was interesting about um, me in particular was that I had really orange-tinted skin, which, like, I didn't really understand why that was until later, but beta-carotene is the precursor to vitamin A, and you need – proper thyroid function to convert that to vitamin A. So if you have hypothyroid, you can get high levels of beta-carotene in your blood and kind of look like an orange tint. So it's just something interesting to notice for hypothyroid patients. It's like they look a little bit orangey. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also just like a puffy face was something that, that I had a lot, and I see that with a lot of patients. They just feel like in the morning they wake up, their face is kind of puffy. They got, you know, puffy eyes. And uh, so... You know, they're holding on to all of this inf- inflammation and they just can't get rid of the, the water weight, you know, the, the weight gain. Mm-hmm. So besides the physical symptoms, what would you look for on a lab test? Because like you said, your doctor only tested TSH and we know that it's pretty common to just test TSH and maybe a few others. But can you go over, you know, what you want to look for or how you how someone can ask their doctor uh, what they should yeah. test for? Yeah, so TSH is the one that most doctors run as well as T4. But TSH is not a thyroid hormone. It's a pre-hormone. So it's it's a it's a hormone that's made from your brain to tell your thyroid to work. So it's sort of an indirect way of measuring how well your thyroid is working. It's like it's like your your brain is knocking on thyroid's door telling it to work and the harder it knocks, you know, that's more of a clue that your thyroid is is kind of deaf or it's not listening hard enough or it's it's slow, it's sluggish, you have to yell at it to make it work properly. So that was the thought is that the higher the TSH, the more hypothyroid your thyroid is. But that's indirect. And and sometimes that can be a pituitary issue. You know, the pituitary is where the TSH is made, so it's not a direct marker for thyroid. So it doesn't really make a lot of sense to me. You know, I, I will test TSH for patients, but it's it's not the one that I really go by whether the person has hypothyroidism or not. So the TSH tells the thyroid to work, and then the thyroid makes a bunch of hormones. It makes T4, T3, T2, and T1. So it makes all four of the thyroid hormones, as well as something called calcitonin, which helps to balance, you know, calcium balance in the body. Um, But the ones in particular that I look at with, with patients are free T4 as well as free T3. And the thyroid makes 80% free T4, and 20% free T3, approximately. Everybody's a little bit different. But the active form of thyroid is T3, free T3. And so you have to make sure that is tested. And and I see it all the time where patients will come in and they'll have their labs from their doctor and the doctor only tests TSH and T4. And it's just a tiny little spot, you know, spotlight of the picture. You can't see from a holistic perspective what the thyroid's doing. So, um, you know, I always test for that. And... Also look for reverse T3. That's another one that the T3 can turn into reverse T3 
if certain things in the body aren't balanced. And we can kind of go into that a little bit later. Um, and then also antibodies, too. So I'm talking about hypothyroidism. It's underactive thyroid. But 80% of the time, if you have hypothyroidism, it's actually an autoimmune problem. So it's not even a thyroid problem. It's an immune system issue that happens to affect your thyroid. So if that's the case, you have to test the antibodies to see if that if that is what's happening for you. So those ones specifically are called anti-TPO, which is thyroid peroxidase antibody, and then anti-thyroglobulin antibody, which is anti-TGB. That, that one is also called um, TAA sometimes, thyroid autoantibodies, depending on the doctor. So definitely TSH, um, T4 and T3, as well as free T4, free T3, reverse T3, and anti-TPO and anti-thyroglobin antibody. Now, you could walk into your doctor and say, hey, doc, I want you to run all these tests, and they might look at you like you're crazy, number one, and say that's not necessary, or they might say, okay, sure, we'll run it. Then they'll get the results, and they won't know how to, how to read it because they're not trained to do that. So you have to find a doctor that knows what they're doing, that is trained in this, you know, this type of lab assessment. I don't look at labs from a perspective of do you have a disease or not. I look at labs from a functional medicine perspective. So what are some patterns that we're seeing before the disease actually sets in? I want to catch you before you have overt hypothyroidism. You know, I want to catch it if you have subclinical. You have the early signs of it. Let's prevent all of this misery down the line by catching it early and optimizing your health so you can feel a lot better. Mm-hmm. So what are some things that you do when you find someone with hypothyroidism? Because you do want them to be on thyroid medication, right? Yeah, so if if they have, you know, if they come in to me and they have elevated TSH as well as low T4 and low, low T3, or low-free T4, low-free T3, I'll, I'll put them on thyroid medication most of the time. kind of depends on what their labs look like and also their <laughs> symptoms. So I always treat the patient. I'm not treating their labs. Labs are only a tool for me to see what's going on just to get more information about them. Um, but, you know, if they have just crazy thyroid symptoms, their their labs are raging, you know, hypothyroid, then, then yeah, I'll put them on some nature thyroid, which is a desiccated thyroid hormone. I never, ever, ever put patients on just T4. I don't think I ever have. So, and the reason, too, is because that's not the way thyroid hormone is, you know, made in your body. I'm all about replacing, like, the bioidentical form, whether it's hormones or thyroid or whatever. I want to give it to you in the same ratio and the same form that your body recognizes. That, to me, just makes common sense, (laughs) you know. So I'll Mm -hmm. I'll give them um, desiccated thyroid, but I'll do lots of other, you know, naturopathic treatments to support it. Um, You know, I've actually seen just doing the paleo diet, reverse hypothyroidism, like overt, you know, TSH elevated, low free T3. I've I've prescribed the paleo diet and no hormones and seen that that has gone back to normal. So you don't always have to do hormones, which is, you know, most mm-hmm. doctors have never even thought of doing that, you know. But um, And I think a lot of it, too, is because the inflammation goes down and their body isn't reacting the way that it was. They're finally getting the nutrients they need. Their you know digestive tract regulates their blood sugar balances, which is huge for thyroid. So it gets more to the root cause. I mean, the root cause of hypothyroidism isn't a lack of horm of thyroid hormone. There's usually something that's causing the lack of the thyroid hormone, right? It's like what's the first domino to fall? So that's always my job is just like figuring out what is the very very first thing, you know, what broke the camel's back. So, right. 
What other kind of dietary interventions do you do with people who have hypothyroidism? Well, for sure, taking out, what does Rob Wolf call it, Satan's excrement, a.k.a. gluten. (laughs) (laughs) So gluten is the devil, I strongly believe, and I take every patient off of it, and if they don't go off of it, then I'm mad inside and I want them to go off of it. I just think that it just worsens everything. So gluten is, you know, really, especially if a patient has Hashimoto's, which is the autoimmune thyroid condition, then they're they're going to be extremely sensitive to gluten. And, and numerous studies do link Hashimoto's to gluten sensitivity as well as celiac disease. And it's it's really rare to find someone with Hashimoto's who doesn't have some sort of degree of gluten sensitivity or even full-blown mm-hmm. celiac. They really just go hand in hand. So yeah, if if a, a patient has you know the elevated T, um, TSH, the or if they even just have antibodies elevated, they don't even have to have the other thyroid markers. I I prescribe 100% gluten free diet for the rest of their life because we see it all the time that they they'll go um, gluten free and they'll have gluten later and their thyroid will worsen. You know, it will it will actually mm-hmm. make the destruction of their thyroid happen more. So they have to be gluten free forever. <laughs> so they have to maybe they'll have their last, you know, meal of gluten as a goodbye and then they just have to set it free. <laughs> so, um definitely gluten and I also run cross reactive panels to see if they react to other foods just like gluten. So there's certain certain foods that might mimic a similar inflammatory process in the body like rice or corn or quinoa. And it's as if gluten is being consumed to to that person, so they can actually react to it in a similar way. And we'll remove those foods, heal up their gut, which can take three, six, nine, twelve months sometimes, and then see if they can tolerate them. Um, but there's there's a lot of research that supports going gluten free. So there was one study that um, that that I read that there's a hundred patients, they all had autoimmune thyroid disease. And after six months of a gluten-free diet, their thyroid markers returned to normal. However, their thyroid antibodies did um, did not really correlate positively with the dietary habits, so they might always have positive antibodies, which doesn't really matter. I mean, if I test the thyroid antibodies once, I usually don't test them again because it doesn't really change the treatment. We're going to be working on their immune system. We're going to be working on reducing inflammation, unless they're obsessive and they want to test them and see if they can get them as low as they can, but... I kind of just do it to make them happy. <laughs> so, but but mm-hmm. you know, taking out the gluten, it it makes a huge difference. Um, what other foods? Let's see. Soy. Soy is a huge one. I didn't know that until for myself until I was walking around Costco one day and there's a lady who I I think I was talking to my mom and I was saying something about my thyroid and I was carrying some soy milk in my cart and some lady was like, "Uh, you shouldn't be drinking that if you have a thyroid problem." I was like, what are you talking about? And she was like, no, like that messes up your thyroid. And I was like, oh, thank you for no doctor ever telling me that. And I have to hear it from some random lady from Costco. That's awesome. So nice. soy is a, a big a big inhibitor for thyroid. It, mm-hmm. It's a, called a goitrogen, so it inhibits thyroid function. And um, what are some other foods, Evelyn? Cruciferous veggies? Um, nightshades. Nightshades, yep. Nightshades. Yep, nightshades. So if people don't know what that is, those are... Potatoes and tomatoes and um, where's some other ones? Bell peppers. Eggplant. Bell peppers. Eggplant. Yeah. Yep. And also coffee is one too. Most people don't know about that one. Coffee can can slow down thyroid function too. 
So, and then when people have autoimmune hypothyroidism, does that lead to other things? Like, why is it such a big deal? Can it increase your risk for getting, you know, other conditions? Yeah, so, you know, once we diagnose an autoimmune condition, and by the way, is there an echo for me? Can you hear that? No, you're good. You're good. Okay, just on my side. Once we diagnose an autoimmune issue, it's, like I said, it's not a thyroid problem anymore. This is officially not a thyroid problem. It's an immune system issue. So we can't just treat thyroid. We can't just treat with hormones. We have to treat the entire body for regulating the immune function because if we don't, then there's more risk for things down the line like other autoimmune diseases. So if you have one autoimmune disease, there's an increased risk to develop another one like MS, like lupus, like, you know, celiac, like all different kinds. You can just Google autoimmune and see the different options. It doesn't mean you're going to get an autoimmune disease. It just means you have more of a risk of having one later. So you've got to regulate that immune function. And there's lots of ways to do it, and I'm not going to go into specifics of how to do that on the show because it's a whole other issue, but but got to get that immune system, you know, regulated. And, and again, you know, if, if you have hypothyroidism, it's 80 to 90% chance you have an autoimmune issue. So... For those listening who you you have an, a thyroid condition, please go to your doctor and get your antibodies tested because you want to make sure this isn't something happening for you. Also, sometimes people will have negative antibodies, but then later they'll be positive. So, you, so if you if you're having this continual autoimmune issue, or excuse me, auto, continual thyroid problem, it might be worth testing it later. For example, my mom, she had a thyroid problem. I got it from her. I got it from my grandma. It's genetic for us. Or maybe it's environmental. We're just in the same environment. But she had negative antibodies forever. And then just recently, after 20, 30 years of being on Synthroid, her antibodies are now positive. So now we know that it has turned into an autoimmune issue for her. So, yeah, I mean, she's doing a lot better. We're treating her whole immune system. She's doing great. She's lost 30 pounds. She feels great. Her hair's, you know not falling out as much and all that. So it's it's exciting, but we had to treat her from a whole body perspective. Um, yeah, did I answer that question? Yeah, so, and also, you, too, yeah. yeah, go for it. Well, I was going to say, um, if you have been avoiding gluten and then you take that test, it might not show up either because your body hasn't been making right. the antibodies, right? Yep, totally, yep. So you got to take that into account. If you've been totally gluten-free, you do the test, it might be negative and doesn't mean you can just go and have gluten. And if you have Hashimoto's, there's no point in doing the gluten for, the gluten test because we already know you can't ever have gluten again. So save right. save your 300 bucks, you know, and just go gluten-free. Um, but yeah, you know, it's important though because we know there's there's all kinds of studies that look at if you have hypothyroidism and it's not regulated, even if it's not autoimmune, there's more risk for having heart attacks. There's more risk for having diabetes for having, um, you know, cancer even, heart disease. Those are the top causes of death in our country. You know, it's diabetes, heart disease, cancer, and stroke. And we know all of those, Mm -hmm. the risk for all of those go up with hypothyroidism. So it's kind of interesting, you know. I mean, so many people have hypothyroidism Mm -hmm. and those are leading causes of death. I think there's something to it. I'm not saying that's the cause of all of them, but I think there's definitely a link. And also, too, depression. You know, there's mm-hmm. studies, studies that show that up to half of depression is caused by undiagnosed thyroid conditions. And, you know, Zoloft and Paxil and, um, you know, uh, what's the other, the, the depression medications? Uh, what am I thinking that big one I'm thinking Anna? of? Or yeah, I mean, all anxiety? of these. 
what's, yeah. what's that one? Prozac. Thank you. Yeah, Prozac is, yeah. you know, one of the most commonly sold medications, and maybe this is all kind of going back to a thyroid problem. I mean, I don't know. There's there's a lot of different causes of it, but as common as it is, it's it's so worth looking at from someone who knows what they're doing. <laughs> So don't avoid, right. you know, don't have to have the same issues that I had, please. Mm-hmm. Um, before I ask you the next question, if any listeners want to call in with questions, the phone number is 818-495-6919. If you want to join our conversation over here. Um, so the next question I have for you, Lauren, is um, how is the gut or how is gut health related to uh, the thyroid or to thyroid hormones? So the gut is related to thyroid in a lot of different ways from you know the thyroid not so if the thyroid if you have thyroid dysfunction your your gut isn't going to work as properly so there's from that perspective and then also too if you have certain types of gut bacteria then that's going to make the gut the thyroid not work properly either so it's kind of a loop you know let's say you have a thyroid problem that's the the root cause of it that's going to make you not digest things properly you're not going to secrete the stomach acid properly so you're going to have what's called hypochlorhydria or low stomach acid. And if you have low stomach acid, then you're not going to absorb nutrients like zinc, calcium, vitamin D, vitamin A, nutrients that your body needs for a healthy thyroid. And then things like your um, your gallbladder won't work as well. It's going to be sluggish. It's going to, We know that the, that the gallbladder expands and doesn't contract as easily or as strongly if you have a low thyroid. So then... The, the gallbladder is responsible for digesting and emulsifying fats, right? And we know that fat-soluble nutrients like vitamin A and vitamin D and E and K, those require a healthy gallbladder so you can absorb those nutrients. So that's another way that you can have, you know, reduced absorption of your, your vitamins and minerals. And, you know, I tell patients all the time, you can have the most amazing diet known to mankind, but if you're not absorbing it, it doesn't really matter. So if this is happening for you, you're not getting these nutrients to support your thyroid. And then the motility of your thyroid is going to be slow, right? So you're not going to move things move things as quickly. You're going to be constipated, which is a real common symptom of this. And the more constipated you are, the more you're going to have toxins reabsorbing in your gut, and um, you will. And also too, you're not going to be clearing out excess hormones like estrogen. So the mm-hmm. gut is really important to balance hormones. And if you're not fleshing out the toxins in your gut, you can reabsorb a lot of things. And one in particular that builds up is is estrogen. And so estrogen that's elevated can reduce thyroid hormone too. So it's it's all connected. It's a very, you know, elaborate web of, it's like an orchestra in the body. And um, so that's one way. And then also too, gut flora is really, really, really important to have a healthy thyroid. So you have four pounds of gut flora in your body. I just learned that today. I just looked this up in this in this book today. Four four pounds of just bacteria. I think that's crazy. And and if your gut flora isn't the proper balance, if you have more of the bad guys, not enough of the good guys, then you're not going to have as healthy of thyroid function. So this might seem like a stretch. So how is my thyroid possibly related to my gut? Well, 20% of your active thyroid hormone is actually metabolized in your gut. It's made active in your gut. So if you have, let's say you, you you were put on antibiotics at some point for a sore throat or for a bladder infection or whatever, you wiped out your good gut flora, and you got an overgrowth of the bad guys, well, your thyroid could actually be inhibited just because of that. So that's the importance of, of restoring the gut and 
the function of it, the lining of it, making sure that you know you're eliminating properly, making sure you're pooping like a rock star, and um, so it all ties in together. And if you want to learn more about pooping like a rock star, we did a show on that. <laughs> yes, we did. Was that last month? Two months ago? I think it was I like a month right ago, now. probably. Yeah. Okay. So check that out. Yeah. Cool. Check it out. So speaking of gut and like food and stuff, um, just for general thyroid health, what are some foods to eat for great thyroid health and what are some foods we should avoid? Yeah. Food is medicine is my favorite thing to talk about. So I love, love, love to give my patients lots of, you know, good suggestions for what they can have. There's foods that your thyroid absolutely loves. Brazil nuts is one in particular. And do you know why, Evelyn? Brazil nuts. Selenium? What's the nutrient? Yeah, there you go. Yeah, so selenium (laughs) is... (laughs) Nice job. (laughs) It's like, you better know this. (laughs) Selenium (laughs) is... (laughs) <laughs> an antioxidant that is um, essential to convert T4 to T3. So as I said earlier, the T3 is your active form of thyroid. So if you're not converting that, you're not going to have enough thyroid hormone. And that enzyme that, that promotes that conversion is required to have selenium. It, it needs selenium. So Brazil nuts are great for thyroid. Even just three Brazil nuts a day gives you 100% of the selenium you need. So that's the rock star thyroid food number one. Next thing would be liver. I'm in love with liver, and it grosses a lot of people out, but liver is nature's multivitamin, has so many nutrients. It's an amazing fertility food, but in particular, it has lots of vitamin A and has those fat-soluble nutrients that just the liver absolutely loves. So I recommend to have liver at least once or twice a week, preferably having it from a really, really healthy animal, and your thyroid will thank Mm -hmm. you for that. Um, Next thing is fermented foods. I love sauerkraut, kimchi. Um, I don't eat as much of those myself, so I'll always do, you know, probiotics. I recommend most patients just have like 25 billion of lactobacillus and bifidus in your diet every single day just to keep that gut flora healthy. And like I said, 20% of your thyroid hormone is made active in your gut, so really important. Uh, Let's see, green tea. Green tea is a great antioxidant it helps to balance your hormones. And as I said earlier, your thyroid is like a sponge for toxins. So the more that you can detox your body and keep those antioxidants really present in your diet, the more you're going to help your thyroid to you know, work properly. Seaweed is great. It's great, a great source of iodine. Uh, the thyroid requires iodine to work properly. So your thyroid hormone, T4 and T3, is made up of iodine and tyrosine. So if you don't have enough iodine, you're not going to make enough thyroid hormone. So seaweed is great for that, as well as oysters. Oysters have some iodine, but they also have zinc. And zinc is necessary for thyroid hormone, too. And they're amazing aphrodisiacs. <laughs> it's a little extra bonus there. You have a there. show on that. What, Rockstar on oysters? Sex show. <laughs> a naturopathic perspective. <laughs> Ooh, I like that. We actually just did a, an event called Fifty Shades of Pink, and that was really, really interesting here at the clinic. And, uh, you know, it was all about how to have an amazing sex drive. <laughs> so nice. the ladies like that. Yeah. So we should call it a Rockstar Sex Drive. Good idea, Evelyn. I like that. I know, I know. Just full of them. You're full of them. You are. Hey, I did want to add something for people. I wanted to add something for people listening um, with the liver thing. I don't know if you've talked about that on the show, but um, for people who, you know, are grossed out by that, and I don't eat it that much, 
Um, but I remember some suggestions that Chris Kresser gave. Uh, mm -hmm. One was to, you know, kind of grind it into your meat. And the other one was to just freeze it in, like, little chunks and then just, you know, take it like you would a vitamin. So That's I thought right. that Yeah, so he said it. to just – I think he said cut it up in real small pieces, right? You put it on a cookie sheet and you freeze it for, like, two weeks. Yeah. And then that yeah. freezing process, it kills any pathogens and you just take it like a, like a vitamin. I love mm -hmm. that. Awesome. So any else? other coconut thyroid um, foods that we should include or any foods to avoid? Yeah, coconut oil is amazing for thyroid. It can increase thyroid function, and it also provides medium-chain triglycerides, uh, which are really deficient in a lot of our diets. It's amazing how I see so frequently patients coming in, their labs show that they have low um, triglycerides. Usually people are like, oh, I want really, really low triglycerides because you know, I'm going to get a heart attack of high triglycerides. But low trig, which isn't the case, by the way, necessarily, but low triglycerides, um, you know, you need triglycerides to make your, your hormones because your precursor to your hormones is cholesterol, right? And that's a, a building block of cholesterol is triglycerides. So get enough triglycerides in your diet. Coconut oil is a great source of that and it also can increase thyroid function. And then what else? What else, Evelyn? Any other foods you can think of? I wish I had my books out right now because <laughs> off the top of my head. Fish oil. Um, what fish about oil is another one too. Avoid, so. Yeah. Yeah. No. Yeah. Fish oil though, because it's it's so any it's so anti-inflammatory, and so the the thyroid in particular is really uh, affected by inflammation. So if you can reduce that inflammation, especially mm -hmm. if there's an autoimmune issue, then that's a really really great treatment uh, approach. Um, other foods. I think I I think I was pretty pretty good with that. Gluten, soy. The cruciferous veggies like broccoli and cauliflower, and um, but but you know if you cook them if you, more than just a light steam, it it inactivates those properties and they're they're fine. I mean the health promotion properties of those foods I think outweighs the the, the thyroid um, inhibiting properties. So go for, go for it. I mean those foods are so good for you. Um, and coffee, coffee is the devil. I really do believe. I know that in the paleo community people are like coffee's so great. They just they, you know, people eat so healthy and then they'll have coffee every single day. And we know that coffee dysregulates um, blood sugar balance. And the more blood sugar balance you, you screw up, and it affects adrenal function, which affects thyroid. So cut the coffee out, replace it with green tea, and it, you'll definitely feel a lot better. Now, um, in terms of gluten, so I know that when someone is on a, or when someone has like autoimmune hypothyroid or just hypothyroidism, they should avoid gluten. But can eating gluten actually eventually cause autoimmune hypothyroid issues? Well, let's look at this. So if you have a gluten sensitivity issue and you eat it on a regular basis and you're getting inflammation in your gut, and you get leaky gut, and then you have the absorption of proteins and causes inflammatory reaction and leading to autoimmune issues, then potentially, yeah, you could have this, you know, this trigger to your thyroid. It's it's possible, yeah. So, I mean, from an indirect perspective, yeah, I do think that that's possible. Hmm. Um. And then I know that environmental toxicity is one of our favorite topics because, you know, we've done the detoxes together. So, um, and you mentioned it earlier. So how are environmental toxins related to thyroid health? Well, the thyroid is so incredibly sensitive to toxins. It's like I call it the canary in the coal mine. 
You know, it's like when you have toxins in your environment, in your food, in your health, you know, your um, like your skincare products, your shampoos, your perfumes, and your thyroid is going to be affected by that. So you got to really clean it up. Whenever I have a patient do a detox, I have them detox their house too. You know, you got to get rid of all these mm-hmm. these products because they're just so incredibly toxic. And there's a few in particular that we know in the research that affect thyroid function. So one in particular is a type of pesticide called perchlorates. And these are, um, you know, pesticides in your fruits and veggies and, you know, things like Roundup and pesticides you spray on your garden. And, and your your thyroid is very sensitive to those, as well as xenoestrogens. So those are estrogen-mimicking chemicals that are in plastics and, um, you know, things like that. Those can affect your thyroid as well. We know that. It's pretty well-researched. Also radiation, so getting x-rays or, um, you know, if you've been near any kind of radiation in your, you know, in your geographic area. I always, whenever I go flying, I I get the pat down. I don't go through the x-ray. And I know that they say it's not a lot of exposure, but I just I just know that if I do that every single time I fly, I'm going to re- be reducing the amount of x-rays that I get. I know that as soon as I get on the plane, I'm probably getting a lot more radiation, but anywhere, any place that I can reduce that exposure, I'm going to do it. Um, tobacco. Smoking is major poison in general, but especially for the thyroid. You know, we have we know in the research that smoking reduces thyroid function and can make you more at risk for things like thyroid cancers. And then alcohol. Alcohol can reduce thyroid function as well. So <laughs> this might be part of the reason why we get so hungover after we have a night of drinking. It could be a thyroid issue. Um, and then one real, real big one is heavy metals, mercury in particular. So you're I don't know if it's a location thing where if you have silver fillings, it's so close to your thyroid, if that's one of the reasons, or if it's because it gets in your bloodstream and your thyroid just sucks it up so much. But, you know, removal of mercury fillings, it does decrease thyroid antibodies in one particular study. So if you have Hashimoto's, you mm-hmm. have elevated autoantibodies, get your thyroid, or get your, um, I was going to say get your thyroid removed. No, get your <laughs> get your silver fillings removed because, you know, that will reduce that that trigger, you know, that offending factor that's that's um, really affecting your thyroid, and, and go to an environmentally trained dentist, please. Listen to my show yeah. on, um, yeah, the, the uh, holistic dentistry that I did. I think it was probably six months ago with Dr. Stephen Lawrence. It was such a good show. He is so incredibly smart, and you'll you'll get a lot of really good information about that. But you don't want to go to a dentist who just says, okay, let's just drill out your silver fillings because you're going to get so much exposure to this mercury right into your body that's your thyroid's gonna flip you the middle finger if you do that so um go to someone who knows what they're doing and uh and also um if you look if you guys remember back to chemistry class remember your periodic table of elements and there's different columns they all have different properties and remember to the halides column right that was your bromide chloride fluoride and iodide or iodine, they're all in the same family, and they all can behave in, in sim- similar ways. They can have an equal affinity for the thyroid. So if you're exposed to these other chemicals like bromide, chloride, and fluoride, it can displace iodide or iodine from your thyroid. So you've got to reduce that exposure to it. So things like fluoridated water in particular, that can reduce thyroid function. So get unfluoridated water if you can. Do you know any good sources for that, Evelyn? I don't. I think we're screwed in San Diego. <laughs> I mean, I know we can buy, like, the really nice filters, but um, 
sorry, that was my my like doom thing. I know, I know. Well, I know that, and I keep forgetting to ask him. I know that David Getoff um, mentioned yeah. a fluoride filter that I forgot to mention. So, if any of you guys listening know it, please let me know, and I'll pass it on to the the listeners. Uh, so there are there are you know, filters that can take out fluoride, but we get one at the clinic. I think it's by Mountain Valley or Mountain Spring or something, and we and it, it does come in glass containers. So if you have the funds to be able to do that and you can get water delivered to you that doesn't have the fluoride, it's, it'll really serve you well, definitely reducing that exposure. It's huge, especially if you have kids. They're so incredibly sensitive to fluoride, so you don't want to go there. And just avoiding um, it in toothpaste is simple. Thanks. Yep. Totally. I know, yeah. and I, I I switched years ago from doing fluoride toothpaste, mm-hmm. and I haven't had a cavity ever since. And I used to get so many cavities, it was crazy. So <laughs> I remember when I was a kid and I had a mouthful of cavities, and when I lost all my teeth, I was like, yay, I get another chance. <laughs> <laughs> and then I got, then I got you know, cavities again, so... But uh, but yeah, so fluoride and then chloride. So if you're swimming a lot, and you're in chlorinated water or chlorinated water, make the switch to salt water if you can. You know, find a gym that uses a salt water pool and, and don't be exposed to all of those chemicals every single day. You're swimming because it's you know, yeah, it's great. You're working out. You're burning calories. You're helping you know that perspective. But if you're exposed to those toxins, it's kind of like I don't know if it's worth it. Um, and then also, too, this isn't necessarily uh, relevant to those on a paleo diet, but if you're eating bread, you're exposed to bromide. You know, bromide is a chemical that's in breads, and it's it's inhibiting thyroid function. So, you know, get rid of the bread in your diet, and you should be good. I think one of the biggest um, places that people get it, especially women, is just in beauty products, you know. Like every hmm. shampoo, lotion, conditioner, face cream, everything, it's full of chemicals so yeah. definitely trying to find a line that doesn't have any of that stuff so mm-hmm. yeah for sure so an organic what's your favorite one? Toothpaste? Mm-hmm. Uh, toothpaste I use either Tom's of Maine or one of the xylitol ones xylolite I think that's mm, one I, I use. love that one I love that one yeah yeah that's one I use too. Uh, and then for skincare I do thorn organics which you can get through your doctor um, there are a couple other good ones, but you really want to look for, you know, look at the ingredients. Even if it says 100% natural on the container or on the bottle, that doesn't necessarily mean that it doesn't have some of those chemicals that we want to avoid. Right, right, right. Do you have a favorite shampoo or conditioner that you found? I've been using the Thorne Organics one, Thorne, T-H-O-R-N-E. So. Oh, that's right. I have I a like sample right here. I'm going to use yes, that. Lauren. Thank you. <laughs> I have it right here. I love Thank you for the reminder. I love that I just remembered that because I'm out of shampoo. <laughs> no, I've been using um, Pureology because I love the way it makes my hair look, but I don't think it's really clean, so I'm going to use mm-hmm. that tonight or tomorrow. <laughs> I'll see how well it makes my hair look. Well, I think we covered most of the questions. Do you have anything else that you would like to add in, you know, related to the thyroid? Um, I just would like to just say to, to you guys listening that, you know, this is, it's, the thyroid is so incredibly frustrating for patients when it's not, it's not handled properly by your doctor. You know, if your thyroid is underactive, you're going to feel like complete crap. And I really identify with you guys. I understand what it feels like. 
and I know how debilitating it is and how frustrating it is. And to go to a doctor that doesn't understand or doesn't sympathize with you, and I just really recommend that if you're not seeing someone who is listening to you and who isn't open-minded, please fire him or fire her and work with someone who does listen to you and who really you know, makes you feel heard and understood and who doesn't rush you and asking all your questions and really listens to you. So I just encourage you guys that, you know, read different books and listen to different podcasts and just learn as much as you can because you are your own best advocate and you know your body best. You know your body better than I do. And I'm, you know, I'm a, I'm a doctor and I, I, I recognize that about my patients. That I, I respect them and I understand that they, they understand when something isn't right, you know, and and to just not give up. And there there's some great resources. I love the book by Dr. Karazian. It's called Why Do I Still Have Thyroid Symptoms When My Lab Tests Are Normal? Yes, it's the longest title known to mankind, but it's a really good book. <laughs> and it's it's written really, really well. I think I had a patient go online to, to buy it the other day, and it was like 80-something dollars. So I don't know if it's just hard to find right now or what, but um, it's a good book. I was flipping through it today. And then I've listened to a few different podcasts, and I know that there's a book called Stop the Thyroid Insanity or Stop the Thyroid Madness, I think it's called. And it's written by a patient advocate who uh, was affected by thyroid uh, problems herself, and she just was frustrated with her doctors. And it's it's not an uncommon thing to hear of people just kind of going through the whole medical system and not finding answers. So, you know, listen to podcasts, read the books, and find a doctor who works, you know, that will, will really listen to you and work with you on it. And, um, yeah, and I, I see patients locally in San Diego. I work with patients all over the country, so... If you need someone to really guide you through this and help you, check me out, drlaurennoel.com. Go to the website, bloomnaturalhealth.com, and we can get you scheduled and, and get you feeling better. So, And then also, Evelyn is amazing, amazing health coach, and we, we like to work together with patients too. So check her out. at what's your? Did you say your website is healthcoachsd.com? Yes, it is. Awesome. SD cool. is in San Diego. As in San Diego, awesome. and, but you work with people not just in San Diego, right? Correct. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, we work very with good. people all over. All right. Well, thank you so much, Lauren. That was so um, so very informative. I hope people got a lot out of it. If you guys have any further questions, post on Lauren's Facebook page. What is that Facebook.com/slash Dr. Laura Noel, or which one yeah, is it? Yeah, it's a uh, Facebook.com/slash Dr. Laura Noel. And for you guys listening, I just posted a video of a lecture that I gave, I think a month or two ago at an acupuncture college, and it was on thyroid health as it relates to infertility. So when you guys dealing with some fertility issues, watch that video. It's actually really informative, and you'll see um, a lot more information than what we talked about today. So check that out. And um, and then also the Twitter page, twitter.com slash Dr. Lauren Noel. We have all kinds of good health stuff over there. So check us out. Do you have any um, upcoming shows that you want to announce, Lauren? Next week, I'm going to be having um, Abel James from The Fat-Burning Man and uh, George Bryant on the show. They just released a book. What's it called? Like Caveman Eating or something about cavemen. We're going to talk about how to be hot and sexy cavemen. So <laughs> it'll be funny. <laughs> and then uh, we have some good ones coming up. we got J.J. Virgin coming up. And um, uh, we have a show on brain health and psychology and all kinds of fun stuff. So, yeah. Awesome. All right. Well, thank you guys so much for tuning in. Have a wonderful night or day if you're listening to this during the day, and we will <laughs> talk to you guys soon. Awesome. Thanks, guys. Bye. All right.
North Pole Hotline, Mrs. Claus here. My holiday shopping list is so big, I can't wait for Black Friday. Get to Old Navy's biggest sale of the year starting tomorrow. Old Navy? Beat the crowds for 50% off your entire purchase. 50% off? Plus, this Friday only, Old Navy's famous cozy socks are just a buck in stores. Old Navy's giving $1 for every pair sold up to a million dollars to boys and girls clubs. So I can do good, look good, and get 50% off your entire purchase at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Valid 1121 to 1123. Exclusions apply. See store for details. Cozy socks valid 1123 in stores only. Limit 10. Get ready to rise and shine. Get ready to dive in, reach out, to grow. Get ready to launch and to lead. Get ready for your hire. Visit rmu.edu today to see the stats, stories, and rankings. Robert Morris University. Get ready.